Thank you for downloading this podcast from Abrupt Audio. You can find more episodes of this and many other podcasts at abruptaudio.com. Subscribe today to get the next episode automatically. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of the Pixel Podcast. The pilot went so well last week, we are now actually back with the first proper episode. I should just start by saying, if you do want to listen to this online, you can go to abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel, P-I-X-3-L, that is how it's spelt. Also, if you have an iPhone, you can visit the iTunes podcast app and you can subscribe to us there. It will be automatically delivered to your device every single week. And obviously this week, I am joined, as always, by Ben. Hello. And Martin. Hello. And with that, we're going to dive into the weekly catch-up topics. Let's do it. The worst time to have a heart attack is during a game of charades. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. So to start off, we're going to talk a little bit about electronic music. Now, when it comes to being recognised by the Grammys, the two most neglected genres have been hip-hop and electronic music. But while hip-hop has had a number of its own award shows over the years, including the BET Hip Hop Awards, electronic music hasn't had its own major gala to shine the light on its stars until... Now, Fox will broadcast the first ever Electronic Music Awards, EMAs, yeah, good name, right, and Foundation Show on April 23rd, according to Deadline. The award show will be produced by the legendary DJ Paul Oakenfold and TV4 Entertainment and will be recorded in LA on April 14th. So, guys, um, as we you know, are very involved in the online community, which is also very involved in the electronic music community, what do we think about something like this being um, a bit more celebrated, let's say? I'm definitely really, really happy about this. For one, like you said, music is big online, but mm-hmm. I think that one of the biggest genres is electronic. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's sort of made its name online. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think many people can argue that. And now that it's finally being recognised, because it's, it's definitely one of the genres, um, like you say, along with hip hop, that has not really been recognised by the Grammys as much as it probably should be. Yeah. But I really think that if, I, I know obviously not many, I don't think any really big artists have been signed up to attend this yet. And none of them have really agreed to go. But hopefully if a few start going, some more will. And hopefully this might become a quite a big thing. Yeah, of course, this is just uh, a brief article at the moment saying that this is going to take place. We don't know the details. We don't know who's going to turn up. But hopefully it's going to have a lot of attention. I mean, the photo here in the article uh, on The Verge, which is uh, where we're reading the information from, um, has a picture of Dead Mouse. You know, someone like Dead Mouse uh, shows up the awards, maybe does a set at the awards. That would be absolutely amazing. And I think we'll give it off a really great start. Martin, what do you think about this? As you guys said, it is quite underrated, uh, electronic music. And I've actually done a little bit of research here. And the Grammy Award for Best Dance and Electronic Album, they only really do albums, not really songs. And that only started around uh, 2005. The first winner was Basement Jacks. So obviously it's good that it's finally getting that recognition that uh, electronic uh, music definitely deserves. Digital gaming sales hit a record 61 billion in 2015. The market digital games grew 8% from 2014 to a 61 billion, according to a new report, gaming intelligence firm, Super Data Research. 
downloads to consoles like Microsoft's uh, Xbox and Sony's PlayStation saw the biggest jump. Digital console game sales were up 34% last year through the category remained relatively small at 4 billion. Um, just very quickly, guys, uh, some of the uh, biggest games that sold the most uh, for a digital console, it was Call of Duty Advanced Warfare with 355 million sold. Uh, digital PC, League of Legends, which is owned by Riot Games, with a 1,628 billion. And finally, on mobile, you have Clash of Clans from Supercell, 1,345 million. I just want to jump straight in here and say there's two things I'm not surprised by here. One, the first thing is obviously the topic itself. I'm not surprised that we've hit... Um, these record sales. I'll come back to them in a moment. Secondly, I'm definitely not surprised that Advanced Warfare is up there as one of the best-selling games. It's Call of Duty, and it's continuing, as always, to make the most money. This is just something not a surprise. Um, But I do want to say that the way mobile gaming is going at the minute, and I think mobile gaming is pushing a lot of these records at the moment. It is making gaming accessible to everyone and with this growth. And I think some of the stigma is slowly, very slowly, starting to be taken away from gaming. The gaming isn't just uh, people who play it in their basements at home. It is played by the the community. It's played by everyone. It's played by parents. It's played by young kids with the Minecraft thing we discussed only on the last podcast. And, you know, dads, you know, uncles... Anyone that has a smartphone or a smart device in any way has the opportunity to play games. I mean, my nephew and my niece now have this uh, really cheap Amazon Kindle device and they play games on that. They share it. God knows how they've managed to not argue too much over it so far, but they share it and they play games uh, individually on it as well. So by this sort of you know change in the way that uh, p- games is accessible to people, I don't think this sort of statistic is really that much of a surprise. To find out more about this article, you can read the full details on cnbc.com. Our next topic comes from Apple, and they're going to be replacing broken Mac and iOS devices free of charge. Now, this has come about because recently they've they've found out that if you bought one of the Apple AC wall plug adapters between 2003 and 2015, that's right, 2003 and 2015, quite a long time, you may be in for a shock, quite literally. The Mac maker is recalling potentially dangerous two-pronged wall plug adapters that were shipped to Argentina, Australia, Brazil, continental Europe, New Zealand, and South Korea during that period. According to Apple, effective models may break and create a risk of electrical shock if touched. The recall follows 12 incidents that were reported by owners of faulty hardware. So Ben, what do you think about this? Well, I think that it's absolutely ridiculous that this has been going on for so long. 2003 to 2015, that is ludicrous. How can something be going on for that long and only now this is being posted about? I don't really understand the full details, but at least Apple is now doing something about it. Not that I've heard many people have issues with their wall chargers. I've not known anyone that's been electrocuted or anything like that. This isn't a problem in the UK. Let's stress this is a problem uh, with some European chargers. Uh, the US, the UK and Canada aren't affected at all in any of this. So glad they're doing the right thing. But maybe this sort of been something that had been noticed a long time before now. Honestly, I was sweating in my seat when this article came up because I looked at that my, uh, Mac, my Mac's actually charged right now. I'm thinking, I ain't going near that anytime soon. Nah, Ben, you can apply It's fine. Mac. It's fine. It's non-UK. You're all good. Oh, relief. <laughs> to find out more about this story, you can read the full article on Tech Radar, including how to find the fault on your device if you are affected by this. 
And the second to last article is to do with Chicago's police camera system, which is running into a, a very big problem. What is this big problem, you may be asking? This big problem is to do with the fact that they're being intentionally, yes, intentionally destroyed. What a big surprise. According to new documents attained by DNA Chicago, the department is struggling with widespread equipment failures in its body and dashboard cameras, in many cases driven by intentional destruction of the devices by officers. The report points specifically to the squad car involved in the controversial 2014 shooting of Laquan McDonald, which was equipped with a dashboard camera but unable to capture audio. According to police records, the camera had been returned to the squad car just eight days earlier after what technicians described as intentional damage to their audio recording system. Roughly 80% of all Chicago police video is missing audio, a statistic that the department puts down to a combination of officer error and intentional destruction. While you guys are thinking about what you might have to add to the topic, I just want to say that uh, the general feel of people's reactions to this uh, in the comment sections and in forums online is that people think that the police officers that have been doing it should either be charged for the cost of repairing it or they should um, be deducted wages or possibly even if there's someone who's particularly causing trouble be fired because of this. Do you think that some measures should be done in order to ensure that, um, you know, that the webcam systems, that the camera systems in car, in person remain intact and not uh, messed with by police officers who may want to obscure what is seen uh, uncaptured? First of all, yeah, there is 100% something that needs to be done. What that is, I have no idea. This is something far beyond what any of us can sort of like comprehend. This is something that's very, very serious. And I honestly like you can't, if you can't fire like straight away everyone that's that's been involved in this because there is going to be unfair dismissals there's going to be there is going to be points where these things don't work just through a few pure error there's also going to be multiple officers on duty one of the officers may turn it off without the other officer knowing so one officer may not even know about this until later on there's many things that or many technical things that can sort of like throw this I don't know, to different ways, but definitely something needs to be done. I don't know what, though. I honestly don't. Yeah, it's clearly not working right. And I think the general public do deserve a system that protects their rights, you know. 100%. It could not even be that the police officer was particularly knowingly doing something wrong. It could be that he misjudged the situation and made the wrong call, you know, honestly and that you know that footage would want to be seen in a court it would want to be seen by you know the public to ensure that their safety is you know kept at uh, an, uh, an above all importance 80 percent of chicago's police video was missing audio and that's a staggering statistic there and uh, as, as edson was saying yes there would be underfed dismissals but surely here it says in the article um it was uh, intentional damage. Clearly, the technicians know what intentional damage is and just environmental damage. You know, and clearly, um, something needs to be done about this. When you watch, let's say you're watching a film, um, half of the stimulation when you're getting through a film is 65% audio. You know, and if you're watching that back in a court, all this is seen as audio, but you don't know what's really... Um, you don't know what's really going on. Yes, you see the video, but you don't know if the officers um, sort of put them in that position to lash out like this or in other cases you and i think with audio it's a key aspect to really grasp what the situation and i think um technicians need to find a way of uh, conquering this clearly there there might be problems with the audio system but also um fine and dock uh, officers wages they're here to protect us and if they're taking that away from us it needs to be sorted now if you're interested about reading more information or about leaving your opinion on this topic, feel free to check out the full article on TheVerge.com. 
Do you ever like something on Facebook? If so, life is about to get a bit more complex. The social networking giant is about to roll out something called reactions, which will allow you to express your feelings. In the meeting call with analysts after Facebook's blockbuster financial result, Mark Zuckerberg confirmed that reactions, which are being tested in Spain, Ireland and a few other places, will be shown everywhere pretty soon. The idea, the chief executive said, is to add a little bit of complexity to something that is very simple. When you only have a like button, if you share a sad piece of content or something that makes you angry, people may not have the tool to react to it. So now Facebook users are being given a new tool in the form of emotions labeled love, laughter, wow, sad, and angry, or they can still just simply like. So guys, what do you think here? I mean, it's okay. I, I, I see why they're trying to do this. They're trying to innovate. They're trying to... Like like you sort of mentioned just then, they're taking something that was very simple, they're giving it a little bit of a more complex twist while still keeping it very easy to understand. Now, it's, it's very easy to understand. I understand why they're doing this. I do understand everything that they've, they've sort of done with this, but it's not something for me personally that I'm too excited about, mainly because I haven't used Facebook in four or five years or something. I've, I've moved over to Twitter and I specifically use that. Um, but... I, I see why they've done it. I just, I'm, it's not really affecting me too much. I understand that. And uh, as someone who actually does actively use both social networks, I do understand why Facebook have done this. They have actually done this in really in response to um, the unlike button, which has had a petition with an enormous, we're talking hundreds of thousands worth of um, people signing it. People really wanted the unlike button. Obviously, Facebook didn't want to do this. They thought that people could obviously be a bit too harsh with other people's comments and things like that. So they want to do something that is still a little bit more vague and doesn't give any sense of, you know, sort of anger to the actual physical person. So I think I think it's a good idea. I mean, for instance, let's take us back to when um, the tragedy happened in Paris recently. That stormed the whole of Facebook, people making posts about it. I think people feel a bit awkward to actually hit like on that because that almost means that you're saying that what's happened is a good thing. So I think being able to say your emotions in a response that's a bit more appropriate uh, will be a lot better. And also, you know, people could comment, and that was the argument before, is that actually, you know, if you really cared, you'd leave a comment. But people generally take the outlook that they're too busy and that they'll see the the post and they want to react to it really quickly and not just sit there typing a response. So I think it is a step up and I think it will allow people to give more appropriate reactions to the situation rather than having the option of do I like, do I not like it? I think it just can make things a little bit clearer. Okay, you can read about this article at the BBC website. That's pretty much it. And that wraps up this week's weekly catch-up topics. Caps Lock, preventing logging since 1980. Pixel Podcast. And now we move on to the main topic of the week. Ben, take it over. Okay, so last week in our main topic, we talked about robotics. This week, we're going to talk about driverless vehicles. Now, the standard driverless vehicles that have been taking our headlines at the moment, the people have been talking about, have been things like the Google car and, of course, the Tesla automated systems. Now, I think that what the Netherlands are testing is a far more realistic use for automation in transport. They are, at the moment, testing the first driverless buses on public roads. It's an electric driverless shuttle that has uh, taken to Dutch public roads on Thursday, rolling six passengers along a 200 
metre stretch of road in the first trial of its kind. The WePod, one of the fleets to be rolled out in coming years, took a few people on a short journey back and forth along the side of a lake in a central Dutch agricultural town of a name I'm not going to say. At five miles per hour, it did not set a speed record, but an unmanned vehicle has never been used on public roads. The project's technical director, Jan Willem van der Weel, said, this is a milestone. So I think, like I said in the opening, this is a far more realistic attempt at automated vehicles and one that's going to be adopted far easier. These shuttles are a lot smaller than the general buses that you see, so it means you can run more routes, more direct routes going to different places and also uh, save overall over time will save the transport companies a lot of money because they won't have to hire them to drive the buses and they can run 24 hours a day. They, they save a lot of the risks that you would have and a lot of the effort that you have of running normal bus services. And uh, I think it will be a, a lot better for everyone. And obviously, when we're talking about driverless cars, there's a big cost that the individual consumer have to embed themselves in to purchase these. Whereas, the, the actual dip depot only has to have an electric charger point where they can charge the buses up when they're not being in use, the carts, and then they set them off on their routes. And I think also probably a lot safer because there are set routes that these are going to take every day, trial and tested routes, whereas with the general public who would be using electric cars, they can be taking any route anywhere, which will open things up to a lot more complications. So I'm going to open up to the floor. All right, so there's a couple of things I want to say about this. Number one... This is pretty darn cool. But number two, I honestly don't know. Um, like you, you say about driverless cars, we are really far away from that. There's one thing that there's one thing that um, that really sort of like I don't know that I can't get out of my head when I think about this. Now, this is something that honestly I thought we should be moving to more first. That the whole driverless public transport because there's a lot there's a lot of public transport like trains, like trams, like. And, and and now obviously with buses that have like set routes and they do the same route every single day. This is something that can be automated. This is the first step into automated transport. But the problem is you've like it's not the 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 automated transport. If if the roads were completely clear right now and there was no cars on the road whatsoever, you could have automated trains, trams, buses, everything, because it would work. The problem the problem with automated vehicles is the the humans that are driving cars that think that they can do things to outmaneuver or like just get past and just get beat a, a tram or a train or something like this and, and and go across a path which they're not meant to go across at that moment in time this is the problem for me but i do like what they're doing with this and, and how they're testing it they, they, they've tested this with a, a a sort of small stretch of road which doesn't which is like on the side of a canal or something did you say side of a lake so obviously it's it's something where people do walk down so they can test it and obviously if they were to custom build like i don't know little routes in towns and stuff where cars can't i don't know cross over or get past them this honestly could work I'm, i just don't i don't see it i i i don't know like it's it's really hard for me to to think that this is going to work especially when we have just so many so many cars on the road and it's just I, I don't know it's it's really difficult to me to see this actually working unless they build either specific routes for these or not martin what do you think about it just before mine comes in i'm just going to say one little thing that i do understand exactly what you're saying but there are a few points that i think make this a little bit more realistic i think the 
advancement that um, cars have made in general in terms of their radar centers. I mean, Tesla at the moment, their vehicles can um, sense any cars in its region, and even a car directly in front of it, it can match the speed of the car in front. Secondly, uh, it has a load of sensors which will hit the brake faster than a human could if someone walked in front of it. And thirdly, a lot of buses, let's say the biggest use for these, I would say, will be in the cities, city centres, rather than rural stretches. A lot of city centres these days have bus lanes for the majority of the trip that these buses will make. Therefore, all they're going to have to contend with is other buses, which at this point would likely be other electric vehicles, which they'll have as part of a network anyway. And, of course, taxis, which are there'll be less of them and uh, you know it won't be quite as erratic, let's say, maybe, as the general public. But, sure, over to Martin. I hear what Edson's saying definitely about the um, humans. As humans, we, we're quite impatient people, and I can definitely see people trying to uh, make manoeuvres around these things. And I'm a little annoyed because you said a point that I was going to say about the Tesla vehicle that has sensors. And I think they definitely need to incorporate this and definitely be mindful that this will definitely happen. But the big thing I was wondering is, obviously, these are automated. Um, let's just say you know it had its daily route planned out and all of a sudden there's an accident. Will it know that, and how would it compromise going around this accident? Like, let's say this road's now shut off, and that is part of its network that it needs to get to. What then? So as we can tell, in this podcast alone, there are a few... Um, unsure voices, the people who need convincing that this is going to be safe and it's going to work in the you know general world we live in, and rather than tests. But I think this is a great start. I mean, you know, the Netherlands are putting sort of their neck out; they're trying something, which I definitely applaud. And I think we should really keep an eye on these tests, see how they go, see what the success rate is, and hope that this is something that they can make work in the uh, in the public on the general roads. But we'll have to keep a close eye attention to this and see how this develops over the next few years. Pixel Podcast, officially approved by Ed's Nan. Moving on to the secondary topic this week, EA is skipping E3 in 2016. If you guys don't know what this is, this is the Electronic Entertainment Expo with big publishers holding massive press conferences. Uh, this year, Bethesda, Microsoft, Ubisoft, Sony, Nintendo, Square Enix, the PC Gaming Show, and for the first time, Oculus are taking all of their games, everything they have, and showing it off at this one expo but there's one publisher that's missing out. That is EA. Ain't no party like an EA party. For the first time in 20 years, EA won't take part in E3. In a statement released by the company today, EA says it will opt out of the crowdfunded show floor experience at E3 2016 to host its own event in Los Angeles and London two days before the start of the world's largest video game convention. The event called EA Play will kick off on June 12th in both cities and in Los Angeles, at least, will continue right up until the first day of E3 on June the 14th. Despite the shift in local, it seems like little else will change for the makers of Mass Effect, FIFA and Madden NFL. EA will still hold a keynote starting at 1pm on June the 12th before letting gamers loose on whatever new games the company has shown, which I'm assuming is a new entry in the major franchise like, say, Mass Effect. In a statement sent to Giant Bomb, EA says that the new approach will put players first. 
We are taking our commitment to put our players first further this year by creating a play experience built around them. Hosting our own event allows us to connect directly with our players and create meaningful experience for them. In Los Angeles, our players will have access to the games on Monday. We will open up the event to the industry on Tuesday, allowing those who are in town for E3 to see our games and join the experience. It's funny how many companies are actually starting to move to their own individual shows around E3. And Nintendo uh, recently done this, I think it was two years ago they started doing their pre-Nintendo conference where they did announce a few things and talk about a few things outside their bigger Nintendo conference. So I think it's a little bit troubling that um, EA and, and Nintendo and whatever started to do things outside of, I mean, NVIDIA um, have their own expo. They did two years ago, I don't know if they did last year, but they had their own expo just opposite the main convention center and uh, rather than being in the main hall and i think lots of these other things going on may be a little bit troubling for um e3 as a whole if this has become a trend it'll become a far more thing spread out all over la rather than being in the heart of the convention center which i think is a lot nicer than uh, splitting everything up i think it's a little bit worrying to see maybe where uh, e3 will go to if this does happen i mean you know what will happen to e3 I don't know, but it is interesting to see. I mean, yeah, I mean, have been their conferences have been a little bit meh for a little while. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they bring out this year. Obviously, Mass Effect's a big one, and uh, maybe this style of doing it for E3 is going to work better for them. Who knows? Just very quickly about um, E3, and I know like people listen to us like. Um, why is it such a big deal? Well, EA are a massive company. We've all established this. I remember like some of the old games, like um, James Bond, they did some of the old games there, and up to stuff like uh, FIFA, which is massive right now. And it's quite uh, strange to not see EA there. You know, obviously one of the biggest companies in the world. And like Ben said, some publishers have done this before. And I hope this doesn't become a trend because uh, E3 is definitely... Um, an area where gamers can get together, share their experience, uh, get hyped about a lot. So it, it's it's a very strange uh, tactic, and I think um, I think this is mostly to do. Maybe they don't really have much to show, and this is just my personal opinion. Other than when Edson said the list of the games that might be coming out, I actually wouldn't have told you any other game other than the FIFA and the Maddens coming out. I was very unaware that Mass Effect was even being announced uh, anytime soon. So I think that was mostly due to the trend. I think next time EA will definitely be there. It's just maybe they don't have the content to show people right now. I'd like to throw something out there as well. EA have not been doing particularly well in the media in terms of, one, the way they sort of treat players and that aspect, and also they were voted one of the worst companies in the US at one point, I think. And I think this maybe is a stunt to try and pull some of that back. E3 is a very um, journalist and sort of industry-based convention. You can only get a pass to go there if you are someone who's either doing YouTube full-time or doing quite well with that or have your own media website that you're either working for or that you own. Otherwise, the tickets are ridiculously expensive if you want to buy one. It's basically priced so high to try and stop people from buying normal tickets. So maybe this is a stunt, obviously, to maybe encourage more of the player base to be able to go and get involved with EA, thus maybe making uh, their PR look a little bit more appealing, getting more players involved, hopefully making things work out better for them because it's funny that EA is saying you know, we care about players we want to make a better experience for them and this is the same EA that only recently when the brand new Star Wars game came out 
battlefront that they were seen to be um, pre-charging or pre allowing players to pre-order DLC before the game had even come out. So, uh, I mean, maybe this is a new turn for them. Maybe they're, they're realizing the mistakes they've done before. But, uh, you know, putting players first hasn't always been a big tactic by EA. I think sometimes money has driven them uh, more to the things they've been doing rather than uh, player satisfaction. A quote that um, Edson brought up was, hosting our, our own event allows us to connect directly with our players and create meaningful experience. And that really backs up what you just said there, Ben. Like, they were voted um, one of the worst companies in America. Um, I think it was last year. And I think they really need to get direct to their consumers. And a lot of people, especially YouTubers, do complain about EA. They need to do this more. And if they can get connected to the players, I can't see them... Um, I can see them bouncing back from it and definitely have, like I said, more content to show next year and become more favourable back to the audience. Okay, here's the thing. This could work. This this could be a good move for them. I like EA has been I, I don't want to say laughing stuff, but they've they've been the, the ones at E3 that no one wants to do worse at. It seems like every year, especially the past two to three years, the EA are sort of like the ones, the the press conferences that people look forward to least. And they, I, I honestly think they they really need to know what they're doing here and they really need to nail this because they've got publishers like Activision, like 2K, which are waiting in the pipeline. They would, they would kill for an opportunity that they have to have a press conference to actually show off their games instead of EA. And obviously if that happens and they nail it, they might not have have room to fit them back if they want to come back. They may just be on the show floor. So th- this is a this is a big thing. I'm unsure whether it's the right move. It could be the right move, but I'm unsure whether it is. We're just going to have to wait and see. To continue listening to the podcast, enter any 11-digit prime number after the beep. Beep. And with that, it is time for Versus. Now, the people who weren't listening last week, give you a little bit of an update. Myself and Martin battled it out to try and decide whether Minecraft Education Edition was a worthwhile endeavour. Martin won, trying to say that Minecraft was a good endeavour. And for that reason, Martin's going to be staying in this week. And he is going to be versing, of course, Edson. Now, the topic of choice is the secondary topic, which was EA skipping E3. Is it a good or is it a bad idea? Now, as Martin won, Martin can pick his preferred version. I would prefer EA missing out as a good idea. So you want to say good okay. idea? Yes. Okay, right. so heads or tails? I'll go tails, please. Here we go. It is heads. Therefore, Edson, it gets that it's a good idea. Right, okay. I'm down. And Martin I'm down. Gets that it's a bad idea. This happened last week as well. You got the one that you didn't want to do last week. But you won, so it? maybe this is a good idea. I know, so you won. Maybe this is a good idea. We'll see. Okay, so as last week, there is a minute on the clock, and each person will take it in turns to try and convince myself. And you guys at home, of course, that their side is the one to go for, the positive and negative. So, Edson, I'm going to go with you to go first. As Martin kind of lost out on the heads of tails, I'll be a little all bit right, favourable right. to that. You're going to have a minute on the clock, and your time starts in three, two, one, go. Okay, so I think this is a good thing for a couple of reasons. Number one, like we've said, 
EA hasn't really, um, over the past few years, been in touch with their fans. They've they've been voted in numerous polls, and like like we said earlier, um, last year they were voted one of the worst companies in America. They need to do something for the fans, and obviously E3 is something that not many fans get to attend. Loads of fans watch it online, not many fans get to attend. If they're doing something in Los Angeles as well as London on the same day, the before E3, the actual fans can attend. This may be something something that really will it, it will it will speak to them and say, look, we do care about you. We want to try and win some of you back. I know we've not been probably done. We've not been the best company over the past few years, but here's here's where it starts. The change is now, and and this can honestly be something that can really help EA grow in the future which they definitely need because it's been it's been a struggle over the past few years and time is up there we go that was perfect pretty much about one minute one second well done nailed Edson. it I've worked, you don't even need to martin doesn't even need to do it i'm i, I know that's it i'm done <laughs> I, I know i've won I, we can just it's, thanks for watching the podcast guys it's, it's been great edson edson yeah. i'll stop you there i know you're very confident that was a very good <laughs> that was a very good pitch but we've got to be fair we've got to play the games with the rules okay so I'm afraid he's going to win, though. And if he's 2-0 up, look, we need to make sure he doesn't get too far away. We need to vote for me, GG, and then we can do well, this. Well, you didn't vote for me last week, did you? So, <laughs> there. Anyway, okay. So, with that, let's do Martin now. So, here we go. Three, two, one. Okay, if EA stepped down and from the E3 this year, other publishers will step in. It's the old story of Blue... Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. Drew Bledsoe was the top guy, and all of a sudden Tom Brady came out of nowhere, sideswiped him, took his position as quarterback in the NFL. And this is going to happen again. You have big developers just coming up. You have your 2Ks and also Activision. They want to make a real big name for themselves now. Also, you say they're going to take a step back, listen to their fans. Well, we have been talking for a very long time to see what we want, but no a development has been made. We have been left out in the cold before and EA will still be EA, money grabbing and will not listen to us. We want to see improvements in our games but it just seems like the same old recycled stuff over and over. I'm talking about the FIFAs and the Maddens that definitely come to mind. I also think that EA really need to step it up a gear but with a timeout it's not going to happen. If you stop, the industry doesn't stop for you. Very well done. That was exactly the same time as Edson there. Very, very good. So you you guys both think you did well? I'm a little nervous. I, I yeah, I th I think it's uh, it's it's pretty much I wouldn't be able to choose between the two of us. I think both points were good. It's it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I just, I, I I will just say now though if you don't pick me I, I will never be I will never speak to you again. Thanks. So You're this podcast home will be me, remember. Thanks, it, it will be Great. it will be awkward next week I think, um, if you don't pick me. I'm just going to I think say. I'll just do the podcast on my own from now on because either way right. I'm going to die. So uh, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well on that note, I don't want to make a decision. I'm going to end the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you next week. No. Okay. All right. I'll make a decision. So both of you made brilliant points. I really, really get both sides of the story, and it is really difficult to try and pick one side uh, because I am kind of myself torn with both sides of uh, the coin. I, I honestly think that's a big thing for us as well. Like, I think both of us are a little bit yeah. torn as well. So we, we can both, myself and Martin, can both see both sides of the story as well. So it's it was an interesting one. Okay, so taking both points into consideration, the reason why I'm voting one way and the other is just because just the way it was put together and it, it sold me on it uh, a lot quicker than um, the other person sold me on their side of the story. And for that reason, I'm going to have to say that 
Martin won this one. His old <laughs> NFL analogy oh, I immediately sold me on it. I have to say that was very well done. You worded that very well. And for that reason, you have won the point for this week. Oh. So that means he's two. He two n- like, need- he's got yeah, two points up and we've both got zero. Me, me and Edson really need to pick up our game in the next week. Yeah. And and this is the thing, this can get out of hand because now next week Martin stays on still and obviously Ben gets to go up against him. And if he wins another, I I I think we should make a a, a call to stop this if, if Martin wins. <laughs> <laughs> it's get too much. Yeah, this Hash, I don't want this to get out stop of hand. Martin. Yeah. Trending now. And that wraps up the first official episode of the Pixel Podcast. Don't forget, if you guys do want to check it out, you can go to abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel P-I-X-3-L if you want to listen to it there. If you guys do have an iPhone, you can subscribe on the iTunes podcast app by searching for the Pixel Podcast. That is P-I-X-3-L. Make sure you do that. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for joining Ben and Martin. It's been an absolute pleasure this week. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed this and we'll see you next time. You say bye, guys. See ya. Or wanna be ya. Because you guys are hopeless. <laughs> Wait, I, 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 was, I was leaving it for you two to say bye. I've already yeah. said bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the Pixel Podcast. Thank you and good night. Or as they say in gamer speak, GGNORE.